due to the type of interviews conducted, we are not recording in the studio. Some audio may not be clear. The goal of our Support Our White Troops segment is to bring light to the experiences of people of color and of members of the LGBTQ plus community that serve in the United States military. Thank you for listening to the American Dream Isn't Real podcast. Hello and welcome to the American Dream Isn't Real podcast. This is M.E. Williams Books and our segment is called Support Our White Troops. And today we have a guest and like always, no names or personal information. And would you like to introduce yourself or would you like me to introduce you? Oh, please introduce me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, so pretty much the introduction is more like me just asking you questions. Oh yeah, no problem. Just yeah, so yeah, I, I don't, problem. just so I don't get any information that you don't want out there. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Go ahead. Okay, and I love your voice. So, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, also for the listeners, this is a phone call interview. So, um, if anything isn't clear, that's why. And we'll get started. So, where are you from right. originally? Are you first of all you're in the Air Force, oh. right? Yes, I am. Um, are you active guard or reserve? I was actually a reservist. Reserve. You said was? Yeah. So are yes. you are you no longer in? Um actually I got out at the end of this month. This the last um last month in the service at the moment. So I'm looking to re enlist eventually. Okay. So um what year did you join? I joined in twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. So you did yes, four years? Yes, I have. And I guess I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I'm just going to go with this. <laughs> yeah, what, no problem. You said you're thinking about re-enlisting, um, but you didn't re-enlist at the end of your contract. Why Why the gap in between? Um, I didn't want to re-enlist, like, re-enlist um, within the specific unit that I was in. I wanted to venture out, try something different, something new, um, give myself a break from the military as well. Things are a tad tense in you know, my personal life and within the military at the moment. The environment is not the same one that I enlisted into, so I need a break. Okay, yeah, all of it. I definitely understand that. Um, but you said you're thinking about reenlisting. So what's yes. what's driving that? <laughs> <laughs> what's driving the reenlistment? Um, mainly um school benefits, school benefits. Okay, yeah. And uh, I miss the military culture. Like I've at the beginning of my enlistment, I was put in a base where like it felt like complete family and after that duty station I went elsewhere and it just didn't feel the same it did not feel the same and they also didn't give me a chance to move on there so I was like okay cool let's finish this take a break and find somewhere where in um a less tense environment okay and when you re-enlist do you think you'll go as a reservist again uh, yes, I did want to finish my bachelor's and eventually work my way towards um, a higher degree. Okay, so that leads me to the next question. What What was your initial reason for joining? Uh, initial reason was um, school benefits as well. Um, it's like an ongoing theme. I feel like a lot of people I talk to always say like <laughs> school benefits or health benefits. Yeah, school benefits is definitely up top of the list. Um, Along the way, within my enlistment, I gained you know, more benefits than I thought that I would get. Honestly, I went in there with like, oh, I'm just going to get school benefits. That's it. I went in, had a good time, made some good friends, family, memories. It just, 
things I wouldn't have experienced if I just decided to like stay home and do nothing. Right. Yeah. I understand that too. <laughs> so actually I'm separating also um at the end of next or the beginning of next month actually. And oh, wow. my reason is also because I want to be able to go back to school. But I was active duty as well. Oh, so yes, it's a yes, I know I it's a small difference. What's the I guess what <laughs> for reservists, you still get TA benefits, right? Yes, yes we do. And reservists are federal? Um we st- we're basically still under the regular air force. Um, okay, but so yeah, the guard, though the guard is state, right? The guard is state unless they go active. Guard is state, yeah. And then you're yes. okay, so you're just regular. Um, okay, federal, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> what I guess not where you um, did your reserve sign, but where are you from? I guess. Um, where am I originally from? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm East African. Oh, where where do you call home right now? <laughs> oh, oh, well, I call home is California. Okay, California. Did you grow up in California? Yes, yes, I did. California. So now, <laughs> since you mentioned being East African, because <laughs> you don't have a Californian <laughs> accent. I do not. No. Um, I showed up to California when I was about 11 years old, okay. 12 years old. So, yeah. 11 years old in California and before that you were yeah. I guess well you're not to say yeah. but you you were like you grew up in East Africa yes and so this is not my next question but how do you feel <laughs> because because now I'm curious how do you feel about I guess being I guess being from another country in America and also being black in America like do you consider your first of all do you consider yourself just black in America or like african-american how do you define yourself I am an african in America yeah. <laughs> african in America that, that is like <laughs> it's a good definition <laughs> do you ever see any yeah. and I want to give you the dis- disclaimer as well you don't have to answer any questions you don't want to either and you can also ask me any yeah. questions you want. I don't really mind. It works better that way. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> but don't worry. It's not like it's not like crazy questions. But oh, I don't know. Yeah, I just think I, I think it's kind of cool. I may go up on a tangent, even though like I'm interviewing you. But so recently, I'm listening. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so recently, of course, like, um, well, not of course, but like, so a few years ago, maybe like two years ago. I started having like, um, I guess anxiety a little bit with leaving my house because I was afraid like if yeah. I wasn't in uniform, then people were going to see me as like, be- other. Uh, yeah, as other, like- other. So <laughs> I get that, like that feeling when I was traveling across states, I could not travel in my regular clothes. I always felt like I'd I was putting a target on myself by just being another black person in America. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so like that led me to years later, of course, like the ancestry stuff is like super popular right now in DNA tests. So I like, I ended up getting my DNA tested because like, I mean, you obviously know your roots where you're from, but I don't. So also yeah, being like black in America, kind of like, I, don't know, I feel like it puts me at a disadvantage a little bit because I constantly feel lost and like I don't belong anywhere. 
So I like got my DNA results back and it was like, you know, a certain percentage Nigerian, um, a certain percentage like uh, West African, but it didn't give me like, I think it did give me specifics, but I can't remember right now. And then it had like Mm -hmm. a really small percentage from Sierra Leone. But then like, I thought getting these results would make me happier, but it it still didn't make me feel any different. It's really weird. It's like walking around with this information, but not feeling the connect. Exactly. And I mean, it was a lot of other stuff in there too, because slavery, but I still didn't, I still didn't feel like, I'm like, okay, now that I know this, like, I only visit, what do I do with it? Yeah, what do I do with it? And I only visited, (laughs) I only visited Africa like once and that's like, that was in Egypt. And I'm like, should I, like, do you speak other languages? Like African? Yes, yes, I do. See, like, even that, like, it's not like a jealousy. It's just like, man, like I admire. It's not even the word. Admire is not even the word. But like, I feel like I want to be like you, <laughs> but I can't because I don't have that experience. <sighs> you know, in America, being like me doesn't make a difference because honestly, I'm just another black person in America. Like, that's it. But do you think um, it makes a difference that you know, like you know where you're from? From like you really know where you're from. Like, I can yeah, say it, I'm from I Missouri, mean, but, like, I'm not really, fr- like, I don't feel from there either. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, In a sense, the only difference it makes is that, like, if America goes crazy, at least I know, like, Africa is always going to be there for me. But for people who never got to experience it, whose grandmothers have never experienced it, whose great-grandparents have never experienced it, there, there's, it's, it's a middle of, like, feeling stuck. And yeah. my siblings who were born in the States are actually feeling that. Yeah. Oh, Even though goodness. they speak feeling that. How do, like... So you, you said you identify as an African in America. How do they identify? Because that... I mean, you probably don't know all of it, but, like, that must be a little confusing as um, well. <laughs> my siblings, um, they say they're Africans born in America. I say I'm an African in America. Mm-hmm. There's... The way we verbalize it is like it means something in a sense but they do have issues with like for some reason they're like i know i'm you know i I know i'm east african but what does that even mean like I, i my whole life has been in california my whole life has been in the americas but it's really crazy because i noticed that my younger siblings realized how uncomfortable it is being a black person in america faster than I did mm. when I moved here like I didn't it didn't click in my mind till like around my enlistment time actually mm-hmm. and, and at that point I had been in America for a long time but my siblings like fifth graders third graders are like it feels like the climate feels tense and I didn't I, I'm surprised it registered to them faster than it did to me but it's different because they were born here so they've known it you know oh I never thought of it from that aspect <laughs> wow <laughs> so, yeah oh wow <laughs> yeah they're teaching me <laughs> yeah 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 so you said like for you you don't think there's a difference in I guess kind of per I forgot the exact word you used but like how we're perceived as like a difference from you being like actually knowing more about Africa and like me being here like we're both viewed as black it it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to the people who ostracize us, honestly. It means nothing to them. All they see is black, black, black. Yeah. 
they don't see the difference between us. They don't. I'm pretty sure, like, I know where I'm coming from. Like, I know where I'm from. Yeah. But they don't, they don't care about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have an incident um, when I was stationed up in, it's like, Northern America. Um, I went into a CVS to get um, medications and stuff. To, you know, I dropped the paper off and I was wearing civilian clothes. Um, I called hours later to check in on it and um, he said oh um, it's not even ready he he complained about something and just didn't want to do it for me basically he didn't want to give me my medication Mm. Um, it was right before duty so I had my uniform on had to pick up my medication first before I go to duty I show up to the location in uniform and he immediately apologizes says he's going to get it done in 15 minutes Mm. and that's when it registered like nobody cares about me really unless I'm somehow sacrificing myself and that was that was a really um messed up conclusion to come to yeah so do you even in your uniform do you feel I guess do you feel safe because for some reason I had this false sense of like I'm safe in uniform which is why for a long time I will only leave my house to go to work in uniform and just go right back home yep that's that's 100%. Traveling across states, I do not feel safe being outside of uniform. Yeah. Are you like. It feels like they. It feels like they appreciate me for being a possible casualty than just for being a human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, like, as soon as. I don't know about you, but, like, as soon as I take my uniform off, I feel like no one cares again. Yeah. Automatically. And I don't know, like, well, obviously, like, I had to start going to see someone for it because it was getting pretty bad. But as far yeah. as, like, a bunch of other people, I don't know how people handle it every day. And I understand why I... they say, like, like, so I'll give you an example. Um, yeah. When I went to the, I went to the mental health clinic to, like, you know, discuss everything. And she told me mm-hmm. that I had PTSD. And, like, so I had never, like, been in actual battle, though, like... <laughs> Or what I was expecting, what I was expecting, what like PTSD to be. Yeah. Um, and basically, she was just telling me that I had it just from, like, watching certain, like, watching people, innocent people being shot. Um, my own yeah. personal experience of just being black in America, being a woman in America. So basically, I mean, yeah. it's deeper than that, but basically, she told me that that's what was going on with me. Never thought about it like that. That's that's insane. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> Hello, sorry. I think we were briefly disconnected from the signal. Yeah, yeah. But okay, so I'm gonna move sorry. forward. Unless you had sorry, I was just like rambling about whatever. <laughs> oh so, no, I was listening. It's no, just, no, it's it blew okay. my mind. <laughs> yeah. Well that. I think a lot of people suffer from it, <laughs> especially a lot of black people or people of color, and there's no outlet for it. So but a good thing is more and more people are speaking up about mental health. Hey, sorry. Oh, no, it's on me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to move on to the next question, so just in case we get disconnected oh. again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what's, like, the most you've gotten out of your military experience? Um, Positive, I've connected with a lot more. 
Um, I definitely realize that um, the because of my sheltered upbringing, I realize out there experiencing different people, different cultures. I've I've learned mm-hmm. a lot. Um, positive, I connected with a lot more people, um, American Black people that I didn't get the chance to connect to while I was. Um, I went to a mostly like white school, so I didn't get a chance to connect mm-hmm. with black people. Um, going to the military, I created such strong friendships. And I don't that I really got a chance to look into. Um, they definitely built the, they built the relationship between me and black people because growing up African, there was a slight disconnect between us between like and having that between you said there's a disconnect between us you mean like between like you and other black people um between africans and african americans there is a disconnect that the military like filled the gap um being able to take out personal experiences (laughs) being able to take out personal experiences and just being like family same uniform you know same ways of for some time gave us a chance to really um get in-depth perspective on things that i didn't get to see yeah i'm very very predominantly a white location Uh (laughs) and um yeah (laughs) so i didn't get a chance to really experience you know life with other black people especially um african americans so I didn't really understand, you know, the the confusion, the constant fear, the the struggles. And I didn't really understand racism that way because I grew up with people who weren't directly racist. And that's something I never registered. I never re- registered microaggressions oh. as racism until, until I went to, you know, boot camp and my black friends are like, yo, that was not okay to say. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I never because I I thought that was just how it was. Mm-hmm. And after you, so the military really after you, I guess yeah. after you started like seeing these things or maybe experiencing some of these things, um, how did it change? I guess your outlook on some things. A lot started making sense. I didn't I didn't let you know slight not directly racist remarks go unaccounted for. Okay, yeah. I've become more like, that. like, I don't see why you would say that. Or please explain your joke because it makes no yeah. sense. You know, I'd have times where someone, oh no, I'm not going to that part of town. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I'd be like, if it does how we feel, like it is what it is. But now I'm like, no, explain yourself. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. you go there? And it's like, well, it's because it's not safe. And I'm like, why is it not safe though? And now they have to be, you know, have to hold themselves accountable for understanding why certain places don't have the privilege that they do. Oh, my hero, give you some claps right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you would have never realized that that was based on, you know, racism. And younger me never realized that the area around me was the way it was because of its history. Oh, right, yeah. You know, I never realized that. I just was like it was really weird going from like 
because my neighborhood was decently nice. It wasn't bad. It was a decently nice neighborhood. But traveling to school to a way nicer mm-hmm. neighborhood made me like it. I don't know why it didn't register me register me at the time that minorities were mostly stuck in like inner cities, you know. Well, under mildly under give yourself some credit. You were also like you that were, didn't be harder. Reg- like you were also younger. Now you've like matured and grown up a little <laughs> bit, you know. <laughs> oh, thank you, my friends in the military. I know I would. This would have never registered to me. That's why I say, like, my siblings, having always grown up in America, can tell the differences. Versus me, someone who just came from Africa, is like, this. What do you mean? This is you know bad. This is the African dream. Like, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> with that, oh well. So, um. I guess with your experience in the military, do you have any regrets or any challenges? Or have you had any regrets or any challenges? um, I did have some issues that I never took up the proper chain of, you know, command to get issues resolved. Um, There was always, like, slight differences in treatment. And I've always been afraid of... um, being marked as the angry oh, black woman. Yes, yeah. The stereotype, you know? So whenever I was mistreated, it was like I would find an excuse for the treatment towards me instead of saying, no, this should have not mm-hmm. happened at all. But at the same time, not seeing a lot of, you know, people of color within my leadership really made me feel like maybe I should just not say anything about it, brush it off and just do my best to continue to go on. And the longer I went on, the more this like, drained my soul to the point where I got to a point where I I, I tried to tell myself I didn't care but mm-hmm. I did I understand yeah I understand so that too. I think that <laughs> for years probably like two and a half years like I kind of went through um and basically I was just trying to push through but then it got so tiring it got so tiring yeah. and I got so like I don't even know, like, if it was, say, depression or what, but I didn't want to go into work. And keep in mind, I'm active duty, so, like, I have to go in every day, you know? So, I didn't want to, like, go into work or, like, I didn't want to do anything, pretty much. (laughs) And then, like, I had, like, one last thing that happened to me, and I finally just made, like, an anonymous complaint. And that kind of changed everything in my squadron. For me, it did. I don't know if it helped anyone else. But... I would have done that. I really wish I would have because by the end of it, I think every person of color has left that unit. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, actually, someone else I was talking to was saying like, so he was saying pretty much you can't change anything if you get out of the military. You can only change something by staying in. But then he was like, but if you look around, most of a lot of the black people that we worked with anyway ended up getting out. <laughs> All of it. Like if you if you ask anyone, yeah. like, are you staying in? Are you getting out? Everyone said, like, I'm getting out. I'm getting out. But who? It's because environment is so intense. Yeah, especially at the moment. Oh, yeah, especially at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it really. I guess if if you decide to reenlist, are you waiting? Because yeah. I think this is like the the second or third time you said the vibrant is is super intense. Are you waiting to see yeah. how the next elections go, or like is that influencing you 
whether you're going to re-enlist or not? In a way, I don't think it should influence how I think because so what? You know, they were there four years with the current situation. They're going to be there four years after the next situation. And those people, you know, voiced their opinions at that time already. Mm -hmm. So their opinions aren't going to change just because someone new came in. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so I don't think it should influence, but my, my situation is I'm really trying to find a place like the unit I trained in where it felt it felt open and it I didn't I didn't feel constantly targeted oh yeah and it was weird because I looked at my other you know my other friend who was within the unit with me as well and I'm like are you feeling this or is it just me and it's like every person of color who makes it to that unit has a realization and we always come to each other like Am I, is it just mm -hmm. me like it's really weird because my girl came in and she's like, I've been a little uncertain about telling you guys this. It's been a couple months now, but is it just me feeling this? And we're like, really? You took this long to come to us? Like, we've been feeling this long. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm just trying to find a unit that I'm going to feel a sense of belonging in, where I don't feel like the current environment, political environment, would affect okay. me. So are you thinking of... Yeah, I'm trying to find... Yeah, who aren't going to bring their messed up opinions to work, basically, where I'm targeted for no mm -hmm. reason. Where it's like, it's not my fault. Things are the way yeah, they exactly. are. Yeah, exactly. Wait, I say, um, say, oh, I was passed up for promotion because of um, President Obama's... Oh, no, my goodness. What's the, what's See, what I'm looking <laughs> She was, she was really trying to explain that she was passed up for promotion because of this. And I was confused because I thought the military worked differently than that. I didn't think we could pick and choose who to promote like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm either, either thinking, like, maybe she didn't qualify in some way. That's what it sounds like. So that's why she didn't get it. Exactly. So I'm kind of confused why she would think it's... um. What's the, I'm trying to look for the word. I can't think of it right now. Um, For, like, the reason she didn't get in? Oh no, um, there's a word that, that like, I forgot, I really can't word it right now for some reason. My brain is thinking in a different <laughs> language, but. It, actually, um... it reminds me, it reminds me of like people who say, oh, I didn't get into college because of affirmative action or something. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's the word that's I was looking for, affirmative page, action. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. And I was, this was my best friend and I was just shocked that she would think like that. So I'm sitting here like, does she one day possibly think I worked hard but made it because of affirmative action? Like someone just wanted to put me in a place even though I probably did double the work just exactly. to get there, you know? Probably. I guarantee you, my mind. you did double the work to get there. <laughs> double the work three times the work. Oh, yeah, yeah. half the credit. <laughs> <laughs> told me that way before I even came here. <laughs> yeah, um... Things like that blow my mind too, when especially like the whole argument surrounding affirmative action, because a lot of people don't know that it actually helped more white women. Yes, yeah. and people of a color, like so, it people does. definitely don't understand it. <laughs> and people, people will use that as a crutch because actually, someone said that um, we were like we were like on a on an exercise. We were doing an exercise. And 
even though we're supposed to leave politics out of the military, um, we were talking about, yeah, we were can... just talking about, we we're talking about a lot of stuff, but then we got on to college and one of the other women actually said the same thing. Like she said, she literally said, that's why I reminded me of that. She literally said, I wasn't able to go to college because of affirmative action. Like she said that. <laughs> so, and then like another thing you're saying about like the like slight disconnect because um, you said the girl like she was like one of your best friends right oh hello oh sorry yeah yeah, yeah okay. sorry so you said she was one of your best friends right um my best yeah and we've been through together school together we stayed in contact for years yeah and slowly but slowly I started to realize that she has some unsettling um ideologies and that like I think I had that realization early on in my military career which kind of like kept me at a distance from people and this like or kept me at a distance from people and like had me focus more on my goals for when I got out of the military so when I it was kind of like a smaller thing but one of my roommates it was like small but it was big to me um one of my roommates pretty much it was like it was like when uh Kaepernick took took a knee and a group of us were yes, talking about yes. it and basically mm-hmm. she said which it was a debate going back and forth of like do you support it do you not support it whatever but it just surprised me because she said oh I don't pay attention to those things which for a lot of people is a small comment to say or maybe you don't want to get involved but for me it was like you don't pay attention to people getting sh- like murdered in the streets or like you know, because that's what it was to me, like him taking a knee, you know, him taking a knee wasn't to me. It was never about the flag. It was about like the injustices people face in America. Well, that's because it's coming from a personal perspective. She is afforded that privilege not to see why he's doing that. She's afforded the privilege not to know why she can choose to turn a blind eye. Yes. If it doesn't personally affect it's not that hard not to just. Pretend you don't care. You know? Yes, exactly. Which, like, after that conversation, because I thought she was someone, I thought she was someone different. <laughs> but I think, like, <laughs> trails are yeah. shocking. You sit there, like, oh my life, oh my life. I thought, here you are, just exactly, one of them. <laughs> exactly. And for a lot of people, I think they would think that's a small comment. But for me, I just viewed everything in a different, an entire different light. And not just with her, but yeah. with like other people I worked with as well. You don't know what anybody's exactly. thinking. <laughs> you don't know if anybody holds that ideology. You know, when when someone you praise and look up to and you know admire shows you a whole different side, you start to doubt everybody else because they're not as close to you. Like if you believed in someone that close, what about everybody else exactly. far away? Exactly. Yes. Yes. And it made me realize like how like I feel like people of color, especially like the black experience, is so different from other people. So it's in, in the, the same, same country. country. <laughs> so it's like not even as an excuse. It they don't know how to, for some reason, like sympathize or empathize with anyone else struggling. For some reason. <laughs> like I feel like I feel like because of oh. my experiences, if I hear something about like it can be anything yeah. like the um the transgender bill, like, you know, transgender people not being able to serve, yeah. I think that's an injustice and like it makes me want to fight for them to be able to do what they want to do but I feel like the person next to me maybe they wouldn't understand that because they don't have that like 
they don't have that experience of like being discriminated against or like you know just having to fight for civil rights or equal rights <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah oh my god it's such a good interview um <laughs> so how do you feel this is gonna be like this is a pretty loaded question but like how do you feel about it's tying into what we were already talking about but like the recent race relations society and just politics in america as a, a black member of the military a black uh, woman in the military it's that's kind of important if you Ooh, do you sorry yeah, do you identify as a woman? i'm just like i'm okay. oh yes i i do um i am a member of the uh the mm-hmm. community the lgbtq community um and I do identify as a woman, and it's it's a intense two layer cake right now because <laughs> one I'm black, two I'm a woman, so I gotta deal with racism and misogyny all on the same boat. Mm-hmm. And it honestly feels like oh, not just woman black, and in member of the um, LGBT community is I deal with people who tell me things like don't worry about that side yet we got to worry about you know black people we got to put you got to put your race first and it's like do I put my race first do I put the fact that I'm an LGBT or do I put the fact that I'm a woman first like I have three things that just seem to be weighing in Mm -hmm. on me on a daily basis and do you ever feel like do you ever feel like in all of them even those three aspects you're still not equal in any of them because you can say like you can like legitimately say that like even if you identified as being a woman first, you won't be on the same pedestal as no. a white woman, for instance. Or if you Absolutely identify as not. being black first or like putting race first, then for some reason men still don't see you as being equal to them. Black men still don't see you as being equal to them. So that's like <laughs> another thing you have to deal yeah, with. Yeah, I'm not equal anywhere. Yeah, and then if, <laughs> I'm not equal yeah. And even if they accept me as, you know, you know, quote unquote, the mm-hmm. goddess, they're still not going to respect me because I'm, I'm, I'm gay and nobody accepts that. N- nobody's really, within the community, the black community, we have issues with the LGBT people. Yes. We see them as a hindrance, mm-hmm. a, a baggage, you know, and it's, it's exhausting. Because let's say, let's say one day magically, everybody is equal in America. I'm still a woman. Okay, let's say women are now perfectly equal with men in America. So now I don't have to worry about race or mm-hmm. being a woman. Now let's take a look at the hate that my community mm-hmm. gets. What about even within the LGBTQ plus community? Um, one of my friends was just like, he was like, I feel sorry for like black gay men because they always get picked last. Stuff like comments That's like that. True. Very true. That is very true. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. That's, uh, that is true. <laughs> no, no, the second because I remembered one of my friends saying that he lives in a state that's mostly white, and for some reason, it seems like nobody is really attracted to him because of his skin color. Mm. So um, even within that aspect of it, so all three, just like you were saying, all yeah. three of them have like their own fights. Constant, Con- yeah, weight. constant <laughs> weight for all three. Yeah. Um. And it gets worse because within the LGBT community, sometimes we don't acknowledge that, you know, bisexuality is a thing. Pansexuality is not a thing. We're always looking at them like, choose, pick, you mm-hmm. know, like, can I, can I just not be 
whatever everybody thinks is I going know. on. Like, I... <laughs> or if if or like I I see that like if like someone even if someone identifies as bisexual is like accepted from like a more sexual aspect. Like, what can you what can you yeah. get to like you know sexually to like a man or sometimes women too. Yeah, I don't want to like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's intense. Um, whenever like someone asks, like, "What are you?" and I'm like, "I'm pansexual," they're like, "What? What is that?" <laughs> <laughs> then you try to explain it, and they still don't. They still act like they don't know what it is. It's just like okay. Yeah, when I try to explain it, it's like, oh, it's re- it's. I have issues sometimes where like, um, I agree that trans women are women. Yes, they are. They they perfectly are. They really are. But when I say, well, being a pansexual, I'm attracted to both lesbians and trans women. They're like, why are you differentiating? And it's like, <laughs> please understand me. I, <laughs> I'm trying. Mm-hmm. It's straining. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Do you think, I guess, going off on like the whole, you know, race and being woman and being in the you know the LGBTQ community, do you think the current? Yes. Have you been following the Me Too movement first? Yes, I have. Okay. Do you think the Me Too movement will ever reach parts of the Black community? It's a pretty big question. <laughs> it is, and I'm probably gonna put my race on blast for a second. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We black people tend to, we've become desensitized to rape due to our, you know, our people constantly facing it, you know, from colonialism, invasions, and several other atrocities that continue to happen. We've become so desensitized that we'll ignore it. We'll put other things first. We other think it's because first. we're taught to protect black men. Not, I'm not saying, I'm going to clarify, I'm not saying only black men are rapists in our community, but do you think that's a part of the Agreed. reason why? Yes. Um, I made a post, I don't know if you've read it, it's a long one, a long time ago, that was like black women are constantly forced to put things in the back mm-hmm. burner, you know? Always put the community first. Always look at the bigger picture. Always protect your black men. Always protect this. And it's so unfair because it, it's gone to the point where we're, we're looking like, oh, no, no, no. If you say anything, they'll put him in prison and we don't need that. We don't need that. And I've seen men make posts like the black community is burning because of black women and and black women continuously to make, you know, continue to make sacrifices for the community, including their own mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the Me Too movement. A lot of women came in and said something about, oh, this has happened to me. And I noticed a lot of Black men are coming in just, like, derailing the whole post. And it really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Black community has really, honestly, especially in America, has been taught to excuse rape or put it aside due to the fact that, you know, we've been told that a black house needs a black man regardless of like the trauma that he brings i'm not saying all black men bring trauma but mm-hmm. we are taught to excuse such atrocities yeah just to secure, you know, secure our men's lives yeah because at this point 
I'm not going to deny it. America is looking for any and every excuse to put black men yes. away. And, and we're taught that that is one of them that we shouldn't, you know, mention or put out there. And it's, it's actually more than the um, prison system. It all begins with religion um, being pushed on us, you know, try to try to forgive. Black people are always forced to forgive, always put in a position always. to take the always forgive and that became a part of our culture as well so when something that atrocious happened it's we don't want to put him away and you need to find by you i mean the victim themselves Mm -hmm. are told to find a way to forgive and find peace through jesus Mm -hmm. um so the victim blaming as well it's just there's a lot going on. <laughs> I think a lot of times, and I'm going, I'm not going to try like discount p- people who are super religious, but I think a lot of times, um, before and even now, when we can't get justice, we have like mm-hmm. we have to believe in something else, because otherwise, I think people would fall apart if they didn't have that additional like, oh, we don't get justice Crunch. now, but maybe that person is going to go to hell, you know, something like that. I I think that is one of the things that that's the reason why Christianity is pushed on black people mm-hmm. because they need people constantly dormant and expecting their their um equality later instead of now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, equality later yeah. instead of now. And yeah. it seems like black, even even during slavery and the beatings and the abuse and the torture and all of it you you would see someone beat someone, rape their kids, and then have them to go to church on Sunday talking about things are going to be better later on for you. Why can't it be better for me now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's why I'm not a big fancy on religion, you know, needing to hope for better later when you can work on it now. Like, I don't I don't see an excuse a reason for you to tell me that I deserve better later. I want it now. Yeah. It's my re- my, my right, my life I want it when I'm alive. Yeah, and the people in power don't want you to want that. That's why they and always have all the these thing. excuses of why Oh, go ahead. Uh, religion is the foundation. If it was realized that even if black people become free later on, the only thing that will always, always hold them back is religion. Mm-hmm. And it, that was one of the strongest um, crutches and foundation to the system of racism and oppression. Racism? <laughs> yes, racism and oppression, for sure. Like, a lot of people hate to admit that, like, America is founded on racism <laughs> and oppression, both. And they use whatever power they can get, which includes, I think, also includes religion. Because religion is a form of power. Yes. Um, it is the strongest. So when you put that in the situation, then, yeah, everything stays the same. And even now, like, if, like, yeah. even if we take religion out of it, whenever people say, oh, you shouldn't protest this way, say, like, you know, people taking to the streets, you shouldn't protest it that way, it's dangerous. Or, like, people, like, saying, like, if you weren't sagging, you know, if your clothes weren't baggy, you wouldn't be targeted. But I always tell people, like, you know, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, they were both assassinated. And they were suits. 
They were suits. In suits. Dr. Martin Luther King was a pastor. He was still assassinated. Like, it doesn't matter. If people don't want you to have your equality and freedom, it doesn't matter how you protest. <laughs> They're going to say you're doing it wrong. And it's really it's it's really odd that um the person in position of power gets to choose how you yes. respond to the to abuse. Their how are you going to how to respond yes. to your abuse? Like, because a lot of times, right? It's always like, how are you going? A lot of times, how would you yeah, know what yeah. I? <laughs> a lot of times, it's always like something happening first, like something violent happening to a community, the black community. And then a reaction from that. But then, like, yeah. the black community is the one that's punished. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <Always>. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess from that, the Me Too movement, I'm not sure if it will ever, because, like, when it first started happening, I was like, finally, finally. But then if you look at, like, <laughs> Which I'm still excited for, you know, uh, the whole Me Too movement and everything. But then as you look more into, yeah. into like, all the people that came forward, I think besides Lupita, like... It doesn't include... Yeah, besides besides Lupita, like, <laughs> I haven't seen any other ones. Or it's like... You know what shocks what? me? It was a movement creating created by Black women, and there aren't really any Black it was, women It was involved. created by her. This is what shocks me. It was created by her. But whenever they give awards to like the Me Too, they never say her. They always say the Me Too movement. They always say the movement. Yeah. They erased like, her. I just saw an article today. It was like founder of Me Too movement, and someone was like, "Say her name." It's like it's Miss Burke, right? Her last name is Burke. <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I think so. they're like, like why? It's like. Because I think, I don't think anything in media is an accident. I just don't. So when no, I see not that, at all. Yeah. So when I see something like that printed, it's like, why don't you just give her her respect? <laughs> or like when, I think, was it, was it the Times cover who was like Me Too, like the Me Too movement? I'm doing like air quotes with my hands because <laughs> you can't see it. But like the Me Too movement was about to be honored. Like, why didn't they honor her? but besides that you have like long-term predators you have like r kelly who can still sell out theaters and it's like how (laughs) how people find because like excuse this kind of stuff yeah okay i think that's enough heavy (laughs) heavy discussion i can go on like forever about this same (laughs) (laughs) so we'll like I guess I don't want to take all your time, so we'll like conclude on like a happier note. Besides yeah, school, I guess. But have you have you you said you're like you plan on doing school and then re-enlisting, right? Yes. Um, how far along are you? Have you about, started? Um, yes, I have. I have. Mm-hmm. I have about two years left. Two years, and if you don't mind, what are you are you doing? Like, what's your major? Is oh, it like STEM? engineering. Oh, so yes. STEM. STEM. Look at me. that's amazing we need more you know more people in stem so actually like so i plan on going back to school too and i want to do like veterinarian school um amazing isn't as fancy as engineering but 
Oh, it's fancy. You know? Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like, so I was looking for a mentor, someone to tell yeah. me kind of like which route to take. But I really wanted like a black mentor, and I have not been able to find yeah. one, like a black veterinarian. I can help you find one. We should probably get on that. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Connections. Okay, so two two years of school left. Yep. Um, and then you're going to you may reenlist. Are you going to try to be an officer, or are you going to like as an officer? Officer. I don't want to be enlisted. Yes, I need to put myself in a position where younger. No. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm so proud of you. I know you're gonna finish. I'm already proud of you. <laughs> that's good. Um, Thank you. I guess besides that, I don't have any like other questions. You have any questions for me? Oh no, this love. Is a I'm good. Very. Thank having this was very very enlightening <laughs> conversation. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. Um, and any of anyone listening, if you have any questions for her, you can just email me at emmywilliamsbooks at gmail.com and I'll relay the questions. Also, if you have any comments or just want to contact me, I'm pretty open. So my Twitter and Facebook are both emmywilliamsbooks and my email again is emmywilliamsbooks at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to the American Dream Isn't Real podcast. And this segment is called Support Our White Troops.